Heavenly Father, we're grateful that we can gather as your people in this series looking at some tough topics that are culturally relevant to our lives today. And we just pray, Lord, as we dive into this being digitally responsible people, that, Lord God, we would shine your light in this polarized culture we live in. For in Jesus' name we pray, amen. Some of you probably remember when the Sherman family arrived that hot summer of 2007. I walked in on the first Sunday that we were here, and I had a beautiful freshman and in, in college daughter. I had a hobbit hair sophomore at Avon Lake. I had a sixth grader who just, just couldn't figure out life yet. I had a squirrely fourth grader, and that sixth grader and fourth grader could not keep their hands off each other, right? You remember that, no, right? It was terrible, yeah, it was awful, you know, poor Kim. And the reality is we came here, we were walking into the height of our parenting teenage years with, you know, four teenagers basically coming into our home, and... I kept saying, before we even arrived here, that the internet's making me stupid. I'm spending so much time on screens, I'm having a hard time focusing. So it was a fatherly commendation to the children to read the scripture in large chunks, boys. You know, read Dickens, read great books. It's good for your head. You know, don't be stupid. Read. You know. Go out, play for an hour, unhindered. That was the typical talk in my house. To which my teenagers joyfully responded, no way, Dad. You know, that's stupid, Dad. You know, internet's fine, Dad. But in the Atlantic, in July 2008, an article was titled, Is Google Making Us Stupid? I printed it up, and at the family devotion one day, I read this said article, you know, which said very clearly that our attention spans, because of the internet and our use of it, have become shorter, we're less critical in our thinking, logical in our thinking, but the good news of that article was that we could reverse it. If we did all the things I told my boys to do, you know, yeah. It was, it was just quite, quite uh, a victory for my, this father here. But in 2017, Gene Twenge, San Diego State uh, psychologist, also wrote an article in The Atlantic asking the question, have smartphones destroyed a generation? The beginning of the article is more comfortable online than out partying. Post-millennials are safer physically than adolescents have ever been, but they're on a brink of a mental health crisis. That was four years ago, before COVID, and all the issues we've had to deal with. And so, my friends, today we're going to wrap up our responding series and how we might navigate these waters as family of God people. This, this affects all of us. If you have children and grandchildren, 
especially. But if you have nieces, nephews, if you're single, you've got kind of adopted kids in the congregation and what have you. This is relevant conversation for us all. And this is, once again, another passage where it's not necessarily an exposition of Scripture. I'm using the Deuteronomy 6 passage to frame the conversation. How can we be covenant parents in this day with these things, with video games, with computer screens, with all the media that we take in? And so, how can we do that? So let's look first at the problem, and then let's look at the solution, okay? I'm going to recommend a couple of books during this series, and I want to encourage you to go out and read them. They're very, very helpful, and I really want to thank Julie Fenton. She's the wife of Eric, uh, Aaron Fenton down the hall. I've become a friend of Aaron's. He's an elder here at Anchor, and he has really walked alongside of us these five years here, as well as all the other elders and Pastor Mark. And Julie has become a real good friend to Kim at the library, and she's a Westside Christian parent, uh, uh, Academy parent, and she's become quite the expert in this issue. What's the effect that digital media is having on our children? And so one of the books that she recommended to me was Gary Chapman's Screen Kids. I encourage you to go out and get yourself a copy. Because what we've discovered is that secular culture has created an enormously powerful, constantly immersive moral ecology through this digital revolution that overwhelms the two or three hours a week that we have in church. Um, the amount of time that we spend on our phones, our screens, the number of images and videos and repetitive slogans that we take in makes the most immersive set of practices that the human race has ever had. We get more input this way than we ever have. It engages the imagination with narratives. It makes the influence and consumption of TV look tiny by comparison. Remember what we used to always say, don't let your kids watch TV, you know, that early. Well, now they're inundated by it. Those consuming digital content are being deeply catechized for far more hours and far more effectively than anything the church is doing. Tim Keller says of this, it would not be going too far to call it brainwashing of the purportedly benign type seen in George Orwell's 1984. And so uh, Arlene Pelican and Dr. Gary Chapman, who's also the author of The Five Love Languages, you know, we've spoken about that quite often. They observed children who've spent a lot of time in front of screens, be it computers, tablets, phones, video games. And what they've noticed is that the MRI scans of such kids who spend a lot of time, you know, two hours a day or more, they're less, they score less scores on thinking and language tests than other kids. The brain scans show that these kinds of screen time has a premature thinning of the cortex of the brain, which was the, the part of the brain which processes the five senses to the point that it gets thinner and thinner while they're children, where it's more like a 60-year-old than an 8-year-old. In other words, it's a new drug on the block. It messes with our brain chemistry. 
So if your child is irritable, tearful, depressed for no reason, has a hard time focusing, your grandchild is forgetful and disorganized, defiant, impulsive, not empathetic, has poor social skills, the brain scans of these kids reveal that it looks more like a drug addict of cocaine than it does a normal kid. And the damage is permanent. Do I have your attention? So questions to ask ourselves, does our, do our kids sneak around to use screens? Do they exhibit changes of behavior? Are they only in a good move when they're on a screen? Do they have a conversation with you, but they got their screen up like this? Do they freak out when they're forced to unplug? Do they choose screen time over family activities and schoolwork? So quite frankly, it's no surprise that so many young people do deconvert. So many who are taught and instructed in the church say things like, well, I don't see anything wrong with two people having sex together before marriage. Why wouldn't they? We can point them to all the biblical texts in the world, but the underlying narrative has overwhelmed them. Professor James K.A. Smith responds, if we're going to respond to this, that formation flows as much from engagement of the imagination through liturgical worship, art, and story as it does from intellectual instruction. So that's the problem, and James K.A. Smith just told us the solution. So let's talk about that, practically speaking. It's our job as parents to protect our child's brains, my friends, and it's important that we have a counter-catechesis, if you will. Catechesis is that old Latin word for instruction. And so therefore, because we are a liturgical worship church, we believe in the arts and beauty, and we believe in story for intellectual destruction, we have an opportunity in the Anglican world to help our children, grandchildren, rediscover rich devotional practices that are nearly extinct because of the busyness of our schedules. And so this process of formation is part of the inward move of a missionary encounter, quite frankly. And so we need to make sure we equip one another to make an outward move in their workplaces and to other spheres of influence as we take up biblical discipleship. Oh, I could give you the, the regular things that I gave my kids. Yeah, get outside and play. You know, an hour. We, I, I learned that in the mid-'80s. You know, that hasn't changed a bit. Children ought to get outside for one hour a day and run, sweat, scrape their knees, whatever it might be, okay? We all know that. And eat right and exercise and what have you. But I want to encourage you to take up some extra materials. And on your way out, you'll see an article that I had printed up this week from Tony Renke, who's one of the writers for Desiring God. He just wrote a book, 12 Ways your phone is changing you, you know? That's the book he wrote, and these articles help. Um, and so I encourage you to take it. We'll, we'll do more, and I'm going to post it up on Realm for us as we're going forward. 
I think he makes some good points, and I'm going to put some, my own spin on some of these points, and then we're going to dive into Deuteronomy 6 in a brief way as we wrap it up. Okay, so we know the problem. How can we make sure we don't fall into it? Number one, take up your own digital discipleship, which means be aware. Go to your phone and look how much time your screen time is, all right? On your phone, on your tablets, all your devices, and add it up for the week. And take deliberate steps to lessen that in any ways. One of the great joys of being the father of my children is that they're coming around. DT, as many of you know, is a motion graphics designer. He's a freelance motion graphics designer. And he came to me about three weeks and goes, Dad, you got to read this book. What is it? Digital Minimalism. <laughs> I go, Really? Look it up. It's on Amazon. It's a New York Times bestseller. You know, I haven't read it, but he, my, my, my Christian son recommends that I read it, and it was one of the books Julie recommended to me. And I said, tell me about this. He goes, I turned off all my notifications on social media. I deleted Twitter, and when I'm at work, my phone is in the other room. I go, good for you, son. I'm not saying you do that. These are just ways we can take a step back, but own it for ourselves as adults. And let's work towards being digitally minimalist, because it is better to read a book than to read a Kindle. It just is. Two, as a family, redeem dinners, car rides, and vacations. All right? Dinners. Have a family meal. That's, you notice the text said, you shall, uh, you shall teach them diligently, and you shall talk about them when you sit in your house. Well, when do you sit? Together as a family. Dinner time. Strive to create a family dinner time. All right? Uh, car rides. Make it off limits for your kid to be on their phone during the car ride. Turn, turn the radio off in your talk show or your podcast, whatever you're listening to. How was your day, honey? fine. Well, that's a four-letter word. Define that for me. How, what does fine mean, you know? Because kids will do this, all right? And they'll kick back, by the way, all right? They won't like it, by the way. And you can tell them, by the way, I'm your father. I'm not your buddy. I love you unconditionally. Your, your, your adult friends won't love you unconditionally. I will. I'll be there. They won't be. You won't even be in touch with them 10 years from now. And that's true. All right? It's true. Vacations. When you go on vacation, same thing. Play, play, um, focus on the family's Chronicles of Narnia. Kimmy and I have rediscovered that. The radio theater, phenomenal way to listen to great stories that have redeeming quality. We're on that. We just finished uh, The Horse and His Boy this last trip to West Virginia. It was so much fun. I encourage you. Redeem the time. Three, recentering your parenting and grandparenting on the affections. That's Jonathan Edwards' word. The affections. What excites you? What are you interested in? Because as Christians, we find our highest affection in Jesus Christ. And it's a sanctifying thing. You know? Yeah, I know I talk about the Indians a lot and baseball a lot, and I love baseball, but I'm not going to appear before Chief Wahoo when I die. 
All right. Amen. All right. I'm not going to cheer before, you know, Brutus the Buckeye when I die or the Cleveland Browns. We're going to we can all have interests, but our ultimate interest is our relationship with Jesus Christ. So let's recenter our parenting according to God's word. And making sure that our kids highest affection in Christ Jesus, because if it's not in Christ Jesus, they're going to look for it elsewhere and they'll find it real quickly on their phone and social media. Four, watch how each child responds to the digital age. All right? Because uh, not every kid's going to react the same way. Not every kid's going to be as interested, in, but we need to make sure we parent them the way God wired them. Not the way God wired you, but the way he wired them. Here's the controversial one. Parents, grandparents, aunts, uncles, I want to encourage you Delay your smartphone for as long as possible. They're not going to like it, but delay it. Why? Because as soon as you give them a smartphone, your parenting's over. I didn't say that. Gene Twenge said that. Okay? Because as soon as they get a smartphone, they go to social media and everything else, whatever it is. So I encourage you, delay it. We're going to talk about that in a little bit. Six, delay social media as long as possible. Because the bullying that goes on in social media, you know, is too heavy a weight for many of our students to handle. Seven, inside the home, take control of Wi-Fi. Uh, smartphones weren't around. Uh, my kids didn't get a smartphone until they were in college. Um, and so it was DT. He's the youngest, so he always got the best, right? That's what they all say. Why does he get this? And I never did. It wasn't around. You were in the Stone Age. All right? <laughs> All right? Inside the home, take control of the Wi-Fi. You know, there's a circle device, it's called. You know, I encourage you. It, it controls in the social content and everything. It's kind of cool. Take control of it. With my kids, I just shut their phone off at 10. It was a paperweight after 10 o'clock. Next, stair-step technology over the 18 years. And if any of these steps you haven't done, you've already got your kid a smartphone at a very young age, it's, it's okay. Relax. We're going to give you a way forward here. All right? But stair-step the technology. There's the, the gizmo that some kids have in second or third grade. It's got some elements on it, but the parents are overseeing it. And just talk to them. We're a covenant family. This is what we do. And I would encourage you, don't get a smartphone until the end of their junior or even senior year. Ten, keep all screens out of the bedroom. Pornography is an issue. It's a really obvious issue with our young men. And we have to call it out. And during COVID, it's gotten even worse. So, their phones are out of the bedroom. When they go to bed, their phones aren't with them. Uh, and 11, write a smartphone contract. Just have a smartphone contract with your child. So if they've got a smartphone, okay, here are the things you have to fulfill in order to keep it and the way it's used. And last but not least, build the church. How do we build the church? Be involved with the church. 
growing in the church, beyond Sunday morning, being in a group, growing as a group, praying and serving in the group. Deuteronomy 6 helps us. Deuteronomy 6, 6, first we internalize the word. And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. That the word of God is what's on our heart. It's not always the latest thing on Snapchat, all right? And what my buddies think of me. No, it's what the Lord thinks of me. And these words shall be in my heart. So let's memorize it, read it, mark it, learn it, inwardly digest it. It's always on our hearts and on our minds. Next, Moses says, teach the word, and you shall teach them diligently to your children. Diligently. We talk about it, you know. We teach it and we talk about it. It, keeps, it continues in verse 8. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand. They should be bare as a frontlet between your eyes, which means they're noticeable. People can see it on you. You shall teach them and you shall talk about them. And notice it says when you sit, the family meal, when you're on the way, in the car. And by doing so, what we do is we affirm that all of our life is under the lordship of Jesus Christ. Therefore, we do not need to fear because God will look after us. We don't have to wring our hands about this culture for us. Jesus is on his throne. We were born for such a time as this. We can be salt and light today. Why? Because he loves us to die for us. We all fall short, but Jesus died for us. And therefore, because of his great love, even when we disobey, we do so because we've lost trust in what he's done. The message of the world will overcome the influence of the word of God, and the best way for us to counteract that is to be exposed constantly to the word. Think of it this way. If you have a refrigerator water thing, there's a filter on that. Grandparents, parents, aunts, uncles, friends, you're the filter. Actually, the word of God is the filter. Right? Water filters keep those impurities from getting into the home, and parents are the filters for their homes to keep the junk of the world that is not inculcating the life of their children. And everything we see on screens needs to be filtered through the word. I do have to tell you, though, a month ago I'm in West Virginia, and one of the great things about my family vacations that all us shampy men, we call it the shampies, because it's the Sherman and George, you know? <laughs> we, 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 we gather together the first night, and we sit out, and we smoke a cigar, we have some scotch, and we just talk for hours, get caught up with one another. One of the most heartwarming things is when my former hobbit hair, now eye doctor son, says, Dad, Charles Dickens is an amazing author. I go, tell me about that. What are you reading? And he started talking about how he's been reading some Dickens lately. And I'm like, I'm thinking in my head, who are you? <laughs> right? Right? You know, and I'm not saying I, we didn't do everything right. I got regrets. The, the youth group trip, the, the one year I didn't go, like 12 years ago, Zach and Mary were talking till 2 o'clock in the morning 
and he was in West Virginia. You know, I'm like, why is it my kid who's doing the things that's disrupting the whole cabin? You know, because he had to talk to his girlfriend. So the next year I went and I said, okay, everybody give me your phones. And put them in a box and we put duct tape all around it. <laughs> and I stuffed it under my bed. Now, we're going to relate to one another. And at first they really hated it. At the end of the week, they really got close to one another. It was a beautiful thing. So I want to encourage you guys. There's hope. There's hope. The greatest hope we have is a walk with Jesus Christ. So let's encourage one another. Read our scripture. Let's get into it together. Large chunks if you can. Read great books. And let's encourage one another in the reality that this device isn't the end all and be all. Jesus is. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your love for us in Jesus, and we thank you that there's hope even in this crazy world that tells us if we don't do certain things, we're out of touch. And the reality is we're the most in touch because we know you and we love you. And Holy Spirit, you've empowered us to be these ambassadors for the world, that it's going to look different, but it can be abundant life. We pray that we would recapture that in our homes in our families, and in this church family. And that as we are digitally wise and minimal, that you would, we would use the good parts of the technology to further your kingdom. And as we walk in your kingdom, we would be salt and light wherever we're found. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.